Hey, y'all, I don't know about you, but I am inspired. I am encouraged. I am invigorated by the praise and worship that we just had. Look, we want to thank our worship team and Elder Mark Taylor for that praise and worship. Listen, I don't know about you, but I was tremendously blessed by the praise and worship that we just had. Nothing gets your day started like the worship and the praise of our God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look, we've come to a pivotal point in our worship experience on this morning. The Italian poet Cesar Pavese says that the richness of life lies in the memories we have forgotten. Over 2,000 years ago, our Lord and Savior Jesus was with a cadre of people who were called his disciples. Scripture teaches us that they were gathered together in the upper room for what they thought was just another meal. Scripture also teaches us that in this same meal, Jesus gave uncommon significance to common elements. And so as we're gathered here today, we would ask that for all of you all who are streaming live with us, that you would grab your communion packets as we enter into our time with Jesus in our Lord's Supper on this morning. The Bible reads that on the night he would be betrayed, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Everybody say, for me. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, the Bible says that he took of the cup. And after supper, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. Scripture teaches us that for, all, for as often as we eat and drink of the cup, we should proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. Now, we don't know when Jesus is coming, but until he does come back, we will testify to the greatness of our Lord and Savior in this world. Now, look, we have a special, special, special uh, presentation for you. I'm not even going to do it. We're just going to go to it, and then when we come back, We'll have our word on this morning. I didn't forget July. I didn't forget. I know the July birthday. So wherever you are, July birthdays, stand on your feet. Do your happy dance. Come on, it's time to say happy birthday to our July folk. Look at here. We got men, one in the praise team. All right, Sister Taylor. Well, we're singing happy. Happy birthday to Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Well, we're singing happy. Happy birthday to you. Oh, Lord, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> well, you look good. Don't you know you look fine? Happy 
Hey, we want to wish a happy birthday to all of our July birthdays. I know you all were sitting there and you were thinking, who's going to do the birthday song? It wasn't going to be me. There's no way I could carry that note or hit that note. And we want to thank our senior pastor for providing the birthday song for us on July. There was no way that we were going to open up the first Sunday of July and forget about our July birthdays. Now, we're about to have our word on this morning. And so we're looking forward to our message on today. Let us pray. God, our Father, we come now to come before you and to study your word and to hear a word from you. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. We thank you that he hung, bled, and died on an old rugged cross and that he got up just for us. So, Lord, we come now to look in your word and to allow it to speak directly to us and to help us along the way. I pray, Lord, that someone that hears this word today, if they don't know you in the pardon of their sins, that they come to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our text this morning is found in the Old Testament, Lamentations, third chapter, verses 19 through 25, a familiar passage of scripture, and the word of God reads, Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Negro League's great baseball player, pitcher Satchel Page. He was known as a dominant pitcher and also known for pithy statements that were witty and wise. Uh, he once said that age is a question of mind over matter. And he went on to say that if you don't mind, it doesn't matter. He had another statement that he would make is don't look back. Something might be gaining on you. Well, that's a good view for sports, for careers, but a biblical view about looking back tells us there are benefits to the soul. Have you been looking back lately? Have you been wallowing in your past mistakes? Has the effects of the pandemic given you a darker view? Life issues has gotten you down. Uh, these last 18 months will make anybody want to holler. Uh, there are benefits when we look back from a biblical perspective. So today I want to share 
God's word from this thought. When my soul looks back and wonder. Uh, this uh, book of Lamentation, this Old Testament writing is uh, known to be ascribed to the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, he was known as the weeping prophet. He foretold of the destruction of Israel because of their rebellion, rebellion and because of them living in sin and disobedience and their worship of foreign gods and their spiritual adultery. And he warned them that God was going to deal with them. And when we come to chapter 3, uh, Jeremiah is looking at the results of the destruction and desolation of Jerusalem. God had indeed did what he said he would do. And in this desolation, uh, the prophet is seeing it and he's, and he's kind of having, if you will, his own pity party. And in the midst of this lament, uh, his soul looks back. And so for a few moments here, I want to give us some biblical principles that would help us when our soul looks back. The first thing in this text that I need you to see is that when your soul looks back, you must remember God. Verses 19 and 20 says, remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. Uh, this prophet is having a hard time. He's distressed. He's depressed. He's afflicted. Life for him now is bitter and he can't seem to shake it. He's in a deep, deep depression and, and, and it looks like it's pity party overload. And he remembers so much soul that is deep in his soul. It's stirring in him he's, and he's restless and, and he just can't get any peace. And he says to his soul, he remembers. And that word remembering in the Bible is, is, refers to thinking about something or calling something to mind, especially a fact or an event. When we remember in the Bible, there's a couple of things that, that we can focus on. And one is a divine remembering. And that's where God remembers his promises to his people and to his covenant and, and all of his promises. We see uh, his, prominent, his promise for the covenant in Genesis 9, 14 through 16. And it reads, when I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Why would God need a reminder to remember? You know, it's not like he needs a, a, a self-sticky that he can post in the sky to remember. He's God. He's Elohim. He is the creator. Why would he need it? Well, when God remembers, it is followed by action. It's either he's giving attention to you or he's intervening on your behalf. And it's either with grace or with judgment. So when God remembers, he takes action. And in Genesis 19 and 29, not only when he remembers, he takes action, but he remembers you, his people. 
In Genesis 19, he says, so it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. God remembers his people. And, and then you, you've had divine remembering, but you also have human remembering. And that when you're thinking about believers and what believers should remember. Well, believers should remember God's person. Uh, in Deuteronomy 8 and 18, it says, You shall remember the Lord your God. But it's he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. Believers need to remember God's person. And then believers need to remember God's act in the past. And also believers need to remember the death of Jesus Christ. Because here in Luke twenty-two nineteen, he says, And when you have taken bread and, and some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. So remembering plays a key role in the Old Testament. God remembers and he expects for his creation to remember. And Jeremiah here in this text is remembering the worst. He, he was not focused on God. He lamented and he says in the earlier verses that he lost hope. You know when trouble comes and things are so bad, you and I could be in the same boat with Jeremiah. And, and his view was not on God, but it was on what he saw. And he was looking at the waste of the land. He was looking at the desolation of the land, how his people had died. And he was remembering the worst things, and it led him to weep. At this point, Jeremiah is weeping because it's not a good picture. It's not a, a good thing. He's, he's weeping because things have been turned upside down. You and I have seen circumstances our own. We've experienced circumstances that will cause us to weep. And this prophet gave a prophetic warning that was ignored. I don't know about you, but these last 18 months or so, we've seen and experienced enough to make you weep. And when you look back and leave God out, misery becomes your company. You must remember what God has done. You must remember because if you don't, you, you might have uh, what I heard was misremember. Uh, that came to my attention when uh, Roger Clemens, the great baseball pitcher, uh, was called before Congress to testify about illegal substances. Well, he testified in the first round, and uh, he gave his testimony, and then they called another witness who kind of counteracted what Roger testified to. So he was called back for another testimony, and in that second testimony, to, in order to make sure that he didn't get himself in trouble, uh, Roger said that he misremembered some facts. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want to misremember anything about God. I don't want to misremember that he's a good God. I don't want to misremember that he thinks about me and he remembers me. I don't want to misremember what God has done. And when we think about what God has done, and, and, and Jeremiah seemingly had the same occasion. And, he, and in verse 21, he takes a, a picture and a view of what he was looking at, and it seems like he makes a turn. 
here in verse 21 through 23. He said, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And when your soul looks back, God will remind you. And when he reminds you, it gives you hope. Uh, uh, Jeremiah uses this phrase I, re phrase I recall to my mind. It, and when you recall to your mind, it's like turning away or turning, turning towards something. It has the, the idea of repentance. And, and it seems that Jeremiah made this 180 degree turn. And he started remembering God the person. And that gave him hope. It gave him the, the, the hope that he needed to come out of the depression that he was in. And, and Jeremiah's hope comes from good history with Elohim. Elohim, the, the creator God, the almighty God. He's got some good history with him. And, and his hopeful waiting is because he know who God is. His soul looks back. He seemingly had one of those praise moments. Uh, that 180 degree turn moved him from looking at earthly circumstances to looking at almighty God. It, it, his soul looked back and he remembered God. While the devastation was bad, Jeremiah realized that it could have been worse. And so in that realization, it seemingly Jeremiah shouts. And he says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Thank you, Lord. His compassion never fails. They are new every now and then. He said, no, 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 no. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And this faithfulness of God is a steadiness. It's a firmness. It's, it's, a, it's a constancy that you and I can always count on. His faithfulness, God's faithfulness is his character. That's who he is. And I'm so glad that God does not have to count on us to be faithful. Our faithfulness comes and goes. It depends on the circumstances. His faithfulness is not depending on our faithfulness. And so when we see that great is his faithfulness, it's really God being God. You know, these last 18 months, I know, have tested your faithfulness. But in that test, it has reminded all of us that faithfulness is not an isolated act. No, it's an attitude that should characterize faithful believers. God didn't isolate his faithfulness for this last couple of years. No, he's been faithful before, and he's faithful now, and he's going to be faithful in the future. Why? Because we need to remember that he is the faithful God. Deuteronomy 7 and 9 uh, tells us, Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. You know, I'm so glad that God is faithful because uh, mankind tries to do all kind of things to, to assure all of us that they are faithful and that things that are in place can, can work and will work. And we found out that uh, back in February that ERCOT uh, couldn't be faithful. 
They couldn't meet the demand that was on them. They, they found out that whatever they had in place, whatever backup plan, whatever disaster recovery plan they had, it didn't work. And they required other things to do. And in the process of all of that, they left us in the cold. So I don't know about you, but I can't be looking at humanity and man to be faithful. I got to look at God because he's faithful. I got to look at God because he's the one that is constant. He's the one that is steadfast. He's the one that makes sure that he's always, might not be my time, but somebody said he's always on time. And he's the one that I have to look to to be faithful. Jeremiah continues to look back and in verses 24 and 25, I need to give you a picture of what he's doing now as he as he's had his praise moment. He, he, he's looking at and looking back and and he reminds himself of some things that he's realized with God. And so the third thing I need you to see here is that when your soul looks back, you must remember God is enough. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. The, the prophet here declares that the Lord is his portion. Uh, a portion is an inheritance. The tribes of Israel was given land as an inheritance. And the purpose of that inheritance was to make sure that it met the necessities of life. Uh, to make sure that they had enough. And, and when you see Jeremiah says, the Lord is my portion, he's telling you and I that the Lord is enough. Even in the midst of all he's dealing with, looking at the destruction, he says, God is enough. And when he says that, he says, the Lord is good. Even in the midst of all of this, he says, the Lord is enough. He declares the life can be turned upside down. The Lord is enough. If he declares that things may go all left and never get right. He declares God is enough. He says that you can have circumstances that you can't control. Jeremiah wants us to know that the Lord is enough. And because he's enough, therefore I have hope. In him, and that word therefore is a transition word. And when you look at it, it has a cause and effect. And so Jeremiah essentially is saying, Because God is enough, my hope is in him. It ain't it ain't in her cot, it ain't in what you can do. No, it's in God and God alone. God is the only one that can take care of me. And so Jeremiah's hope is in God. And so because of that hope. He can expectingly wait on God. He, he can trust that God will come through. He can trust that God is going to take care of him. He can trust, as in Psalm 16 and 5 says, The Lord, you give me all that I need. You support me. You give me my share. You give me what I need. Jeremiah is letting us know that God is enough. And he's saying that he will trust in the one who has been faithful to him and to his people. Because he's God, we must depend on him and not force our way. You know, we try to will and deal and make our own deals. 
We try to get the hook up and find out that it gets unhooked. We try to go through the back door and the back door closed. We try to do all we can to make it happen. But Jeremiah is saying, you ain't got to do all of that. God is enough and he will take care of you because he says when you're seeking, when you seek a relationship with him, he's good and he takes care of you. He, answers, he gives answers to you. He gives you direction in life. He tells you just how you need to work out whatever you, you need to work out with prayer and supplication. And then when you go to him, he can work it out for you. He can let you know which road to take. He can tell you that in your storm, he's still with you. In your pain, he's still with you. And so when your soul looks back and remember, remember that God is good. Remember that he's El Shaddai. He's all sufficient. He's enough. He's all that you need. And Jeremiah wants us to see that in the midst of everything that you might be going through, whether it's bad, whether it ain't been good for a long time, whether you're unsure about things, Jeremiah telling you and I that God is enough. And we, when we look at that and we see that, and, and I thought about that, and, and my mind started to remember it. And, and I had that moment of my soul look back and wonder how I got over it. And I thought about Sunday dinner at 3707 Ennis Street in Third Ward, Texas, in and, and this shotgun house with a two-bedroom house. You know, I thought about Sunday morning. I thought about Sunday afternoon and dinner. You know, we wasn't well-to-do. Matter of fact, when I uh, got old and, and, and older is when I discovered that we was poor. But with Mama on Sunday, you didn't know that because she made sure that Sunday dinner was special. She went all out for Sunday dinner. And it seemed like whenever we had Sunday dinner, other folk would pop up coming from all kind of places. And so I would worry, well, who gonna, was it going to be enough for us? Lo and behold, when mama finished cooking and everybody came through, there was enough for us. And God showed me that down through the years, just like for Sunday dinner, it was enough. He's been enough for me. And I got news for somebody today that needs to understand that God is enough for whatever you're going through. You don't have to chase things that don't make sense. You don't have to chase the bad road. No, God is enough. And he wants a relationship with you for you to seek him out. Seek him out because he is enough. And another thing I found out that sometimes on Sunday dinners after everybody was gone, there were some leftovers. Yes, when your soul looks back and remember, you can wonder how you got over. That got over because God was, is enough. He is sufficient. Songwriter said it this way, pardon for sin and peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings are mine with 10,000 beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Yes, the Lord blesses and he's enough. And so when you think about all of the things that your mind might be thinking about and your mind and your soul looks back 
and wonder. You're in the midst of all of the craziness in this world today. When your mind, your soul looks back and wonder. Uh, and on this day, the 185th day of the seventh month in the year of our Lord, 2021, when your soul looks back and wonder how you got over, I think you're going to respond with praise and thanksgiving because you're going to thank him for what he's done for you. You're going to thank him because he's God. You're going to thank him because he's faithful. You're going to thank him because he's El Shaddai. You're going to thank him because he never left you. You're going to thank him because he made a way. You're going to thank him because he's good. You're going to thank him because his mercy endureth forever. You're going to thank him because he's already worked it out. You're going to thank him because without him you wouldn't be where you are. Yes, thank God when your soul looks back and remember how you got over. Tell somebody, I remember God. God is faithful and God is enough. Amen, amen, amen. Let us pray. God, we come now to thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you're enough. Thank you that you are God that remembers us. Thank you that you allow us to remember you and what you've done. You are a good God. A merciful God, and we bless your holy name. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise God, praise God, to God be the glory. What a powerful word from our director of membership, Reverend Ronald Bell. When your soul looks back and wonders, I don't know about you, but when my soul thinks back on all of the things that God has done, is doing, will do, all of the challenges and problems that God has brought us through, there's just nothing you could do but praise and worship and wonder. And so we want to thank Pastor Ronald Bell for that powerful word on this morning. Look, you know, somewhere I heard the saying that good preaching always deserves a response. And for those of you all who are joining us on our virtual platforms on this morning all over the world. We want to make sure that we offer and extend to you an invitation into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and into membership here at the Good Hope Church. And so if you're sitting in your homes, you may say to yourself, you know what? I don't know Jesus, but I want to know Jesus. What do I need to do? Well, here's what you need to do. If you are looking for a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to give yourself, give your life to Jesus Christ, we're going to pray a prayer of salvation with you. If you're not quite sure if you want to pray this prayer of salvation with us, you can join us or go to our website, goodhope.org. There's a message there waiting on you from our senior pastor, Dr. D.Z. Cofield. He wants to talk with you personally about the importance and the significance of having a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's go into our, our prayer of salvation. And I'd like for you to repeat after me. God, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I am a sinner and I believe that because Jesus Christ lived, was crucified and resurrected, I have eternal life. I am asking for forgiveness of my sins. I am trusting Jesus Christ to be my savior and I am prepared to enter into a relationship with him and ultimately 
for him to be my Lord. Please forgive me for my sins. I accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now we believe that if you prayed that prayer with us and you prayed it sincerely, that you have been brought into a family that Jesus Christ has now accepted you, that you now have a relationship with him. But listen, we don't want to just leave you there. 